Let's pray. Our gracious and merciful Father, as we come to you this morning, we thank you. We thank you for your son who uh, came to redeem us, Lord, to save us, and he did it by his own blood. We thank you for his righteousness placed on us. We thank you, Lord, for forgiving us for our sins and, and uh, taking them away. We thank you that we can proclaim with John the Baptist, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we pray today, Lord, that uh, you would speak to us through your word, to your church, your bride, your body. And we also pray, Lord, that if there's somebody here that is not a part, that has not been baptized in Christ, that doesn't know you, Lord, in a saving knowledge of you, that you would bring, Lord, conviction that would lead to repentance and salvation. Uh, we thank you for your word, and we pray, Lord, that uh, we could be faithful to it. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a blessing to be here this morning. It's a blessing to be with the church in English. Usually I'm preaching from the pulpit in Spanish, as, as you guys know. And uh, um, the Spanish congregation sends their love. And I think there's a few of them here this morning. That's why I said buenos dias, Iglesia de Cristo Jesús. Well, what uh, Steve finished, just read through uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be taking a portion of that scripture. And basically, the driving context of that chapter, the driving context really of, of the whole letter, and driving context of Paul's life is found in verse 23, where it says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel. He says, I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its, in its blessings. And by that, we get an indication that, that that's Paul's passion, the passion, the, Paul's motivation, the focus of everything that Paul did in his life was the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I like that he said Paul was an example because he is an example for us in what we should be doing for the gospel of the Lord. Because the gospel is what Paul lived for, and it is what Paul would die for. And we're going to see that today. I was thinking this morning that if I was to ask, how, ask if there are any missionaries here, if you would please raise your hand, that I would probably get a few hands raised. Then I was thinking if I asked, how many in this room have been sent, I might get a few more hands. But then if I asked how many here have a commission, I think all believers' hands should go up. The fact is that we are all missionaries. The fact is that we are, have all been sent, go and make disciples, and we have all been commissioned. We've not only been commissioned, but we've been equipped for this commission. 
we have three important items in our commissioning. One of them is the power. In Acts 1.8, it says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my what? Witnesses. In Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That is our calling. We are witnesses, martyrs, uh, and we are to go out. So we are equipped with the power, which was the promise of the Father. We've also been equipped with the love necessary to share the gospel. With the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says in, in Romans 5, 5, that with the Holy Spirit, God's love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So we've been given the power, we've been given the Holy Spirit, and we've also been giving the life-saving message of the gospel, Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the motivation, we have, we have the power. Our motivation is our love for the lost. We have the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, the, we have uh, also been given the, the gospel. Paul's passion, Paul's motivation for the gospel should be our motivation for the gospel. Life-changing message. Life-changing message. So we're going to look at verses 15 through 18, and I'm going to read them right now. It says, but, if I, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For... If I preach the gospel, uh, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity has been laid upon me, and woe if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this on my own will, I have a reward. But if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with this stewardship. What then is my reward? that in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so that is not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Incredible text here, this section. I'm going to give a little context of what's going on here. In uh, 1 Corinthians, starting in chapter 7, Paul is uh, basically answering questions from a letter that he received from the Corinthian church that was written to him. Uh, uh, different questions, and, and, uh, and uh, he goes about answering those uh, questions, um, and he does it just about to the end of the letter. In chapters 8 through 10, the question has to do with our Christian liberties. The liberties that we can enjoy as Christians uh, that we can enjoy as believers? How is it that we can enjoy these liberties and also how those liberties can also hinder our sharing of the gospel or our gospel presentation? So chapters 8 through 10, 
he is talking about Christian liberties. More specifically, he's talking about uh, food offered to idols. In 8.1, he says, now concerning food offered to idols. And he says, we know that we all possess this knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but the love builds up. So he's talking about food offered to idols. He's talking about our Christian liberties, principles that we could use in just about area of life, every area of life. And it's interesting that Paul's attitude when he speaks of about the, our Christian liberties here and in Romans 14 is he doesn't talk about how we can enjoy these liberties, even though he can. Instead, he talks about how he abstains from the use of these liberties in order to what? Preach Christ. Knowing that the use of these liberties could cause a brother to stumble, a weaker brother to stumble. And there's a very specific uh, uh, definition of what a weaker brother is. Or it could also cause him obstacle to the preaching of the gospel. And cause him to be eliminated impact his testimony as an apostle. Look at uh, in chapter 8, verse 9, he gives an imperative. He says for, uh, in, in 8, 9, he says, but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block for the weak. 8, 13, he says, therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. And as Steve read in verse 12, it talks about putting an obstacle to the gospel. And this is all in the context of him talking about our liberties, our Christian liberties, more specifically food, sacrifice to idols. And uh, so in chapter 8, he discusses these liberties. In chapter 10, he discusses these liberties. Uh, but here in chapter 9, Paul uses his life and his ministry, ministry to the Corinthian church as an example to his knowledge of what his rights are as an apostle and how he abstains from these rights, uh, from the rights of using these liberties for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he is using his life here in chapter 9 as an example of what he is teaching this church. In chapters 1 through, I'm sorry, in verses 1 through 6, he demonstrates the rights he has as an apostle. The right to eat and drink, the right to take along a believing wife, and the right to be paid is what he basically says. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus the Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If others don't consider me apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship. This is my defense to those who examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as the other apostles, and the brothers of the Lord, and Cephas do? Or is it only Barnabas and I that have no right to refrain from working? So he's saying, I know what my rights are as an apostle, and I am an apostle. And then in verses 7 through 14, he presents four arguments or four reasons as to why he has these rights. In verse 7, he gives a practical reason, uh, uh, a practical reason that, and, and, uh, uh, or a practical argument 
uh, about a soldier, a vine dresser, and a, um, a shepherd. He says, who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vine without eating any of the fruit? Who tends a flock without getting some of the milk? Then in verses 8 through 12, he gives a, an example from Scripture, an argument from Scripture. In 8 it says, do I say these things from human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the ox that treads out the grain. He cites Deuteronomy 25.4. Verse 13, he gives an example or an argument of religion or temple service in um, Verse 13, it says, do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service get their food from the temple and those who serve at the altar in sacrificial offerings? And last, he gives an argument from our Lord himself. In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living from the gospel. And that brings us to our text. In these verses, verses 15 through 18, we're going to see the motivation or the passion of Paul's life. And we're going to see that Paul's life was rooted in eternity and not in the temporal nature of this life. Paul's life was preaching the gospel. Why? So that people can be saved. So when Paul was confronted and converted on the road to Damascus, in Acts chapter 9, his passion and motivation in life changed. He was a passionate man. He was pursuing and persecuting Christians, taking them to judgment as heretics, as blasphemers, and holding, in order to hold up the Jewish tradition and the Jewish law. He went from that to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was motivated, it was his passion to persecute these heretics and blasphemers, bring them to judgment, and that motivation changed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul, at that point, was commissioned to preach the good news of the saving grace of God. The saving grace of God in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. This was Paul's life, the gospel. And in the middle of these three chapters, 8 through 10, uh, uh, teaching about liberties, um, his using them, his not using them, uh, in situations that could cause a brother to stumble, Paul says, I can set aside any privilege, I can set aside any right, I can set aside any liberty that I have to do what is most important for me. And that is honoring God and doing what God had called me to do, and that's preach the gospel. This is not just for Paul. Whoever had a life-changing, transforming experience of or the fact of that we have been saved and born again, this is for us as well. Paul says in chapter, 5, uh, chapter 9, verse 15, he says, I had no 
I had made no use of any of these rights. What are these rights? Well, we saw to eat, to drink, to bring along a believing spouse, or to get paid. And he says, I have made no use of any of these rights. Of any of these. Nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. He says, I am not claiming these rights, and I'm not writing this so that you guys could pay me. Paul makes it very, very clear here that that is not his motive. That is not why he's giving these arguments, to receive from them. He says, I'm not writing these things to make use of these rights. This is not the reason. I am saying this to give you an example. I am setting an example. Setting aside my rights, Paul says, I want to make it clear that it is not to receive from you. And don't get me wrong, he had received from other churches. But in the context of the Corinthian church, it wasn't right for him to do it at that time because it would have been a, uh, uh, an obstacle for what God was doing in that church. Then he says something that really demonstrates his passion. So he says, but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. He says, for I would rather die. I would rather die. He says, it would be better for me to die. He says, death first. Death first. Paul says, I would rather die than what, Paul? You would rather die than what? Paul says, then have anyone deprive me of my boasting. Hmm. All right, Paul, what is your boasting? What is what Paul boasted in? In what did Paul glory? Well, in chapter 1, we see that his boasting and that he gloried in the cross of Jesus Christ. In chapter 1, verse 29 through 31, we see that his boasting is in the foolish, the foolish wisdom of a crucified Messiah. His boasting is in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is demonstrated in this text as well as we go through it. That is his boasting. And he says, I would rather die than anybody deprive me of the opportunity to boast in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because that was his passion. That was his motivation for life. I would rather die. That is what he wanted to be known for, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. To Paul, that was life. He says, to me, to live is Christ. Philippians 1.21. So he says here in, in verse 15, I have all of these rights, I have all of these freedoms in my Christian life. He says, but, which is, but is a very strong adversative, but I have made no use of these, nor am I writing this to secure, for I would rather die than deprive, uh, than have anyone deprive me of my boasting. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is my greatest glory. The cross of Christ. 
It's because Paul had an eternal perspective. He knew that the gospel yielded eternal results. He lived with a perspective that one day everybody's going to die. Everyone will die. And we need to know that everybody's going to die. Then comes judgment. But from the day that Paul was saved, from that very day that he was saved, his passion was to share the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 16, he says, from now on, and he's talking in the context of from now on, from, from the time that I was saved, from the day that I was born again, from the day that I was regenerated, therefore we regard no man according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no more. What, what is Paul saying there? Paul is saying, from the day that I was saved, I didn't evaluate people the way that I used to. How did I used to evaluate people? According to the flesh. How, we do, how do we evaluate people? According to what they look like, according to what they drive, according to where they live, according to how they dress. If we do that, we need to cut it out. We need to not do that any longer. Paul no longer evaluated the people the same way. Why, Paul? Because he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. The old things have passed away, and behold, all has come new, have become new. He realized that what happened to him, what happened to him, could happen to anyone that is saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. To anyone and everyone needs to hear this message is what he said. We no longer know Christ the way we used to. We now know him as the Messiah. I no longer view the people I meet on the street in the same way. He does it in a new way. And what is this new way? Evaluating people by, are they saved? Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Have they heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Brethren, do you think that we can think that way? Do you think that we can evaluate people in this manner? Can this be our passion? Can this be our motivation? And Paul doesn't stop there. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He doesn't stop, I would rather die. He says, For if I preach the gospel, it gives me no ground for boasting. <clears throat> no ground for boasting. And, and, um, We're going, what's going on, Paul? First you said that you would not have anybody deprive you of your boasting. And now you're saying, for I would, for if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. So first he's boasting, and now he's not boasting. So what is, what is this about? What's, what's going on here? Here he says, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of in myself. 
If I am preaching the gospel, he's saying, he does not boast on what he is doing. And that is preaching the gospel. Paul says, my motivation to preach the gospel is not of me, so I cannot boast. He says, I would rather die than anybody deprive me of this glorying or boasting in the gospel. And then he says, if I preach the gospel, that gives me no grounds for boasting. Because it's all of Christ. It's all of what Christ did. And he says, I cannot, if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid on me. Necessity is laid on me. Wow. Paul says that my motivation to preach the gospel is not of me. I cannot boast. It's all of Christ because necessity has been laid on me to preach the gospel. I am under compulsion is what he says. It's something that I have to do. And not only that, not only that, not only I'd rather die, not only necessity's laid on me, not only that, he says, but woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. Wow. That's heavy. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. When Paul is talking about his calling in, in, in chapter 1, in chapter 1, verse 17... Paul says, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach. To preach and not with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And he says in verse 23, what he means by that. I preach or we preach what? Christ crucified. We preach the person of Jesus Christ and we preach the work of Jesus Christ. And woe to me if I do not preach this gospel. This is his calling. This is our calling. This is what he explains in all of his letters. To preach the greatness, the cross of Christ. It was his passion. Without a doubt that was his passion. Why? He said, I would rather die. Then anybody deprive me of this boasting. I would rather die if, for anybody to deprive me of the boasting. For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground to boast. Because necessity is laid upon me. And woe if I do not preach the gospel. Paul says, woe to me. What he's saying there is woe to me. And there's a lot of different interpretations. So I'll be condemned in hell forever. No, what he's saying basically is he believes that he is accountable to God because it is a command given by God. So he believes he is accountable to God because it's a command given by God and that he would be under divine judgment if he failed to fulfill the command given to him from God. And in the context here, in the original, it says, if I, woe to me, if I do not, if I miss one opportunity to share the gospel. And we need to understand, it's not an inner compulsion. Some people say, boiling up in him to pray. No. 
It's an outer compulsion. It is a necessity that was laid upon him. I like the Spanish translation. Un impuesta necesidad. Because he says, I'm going to give account to God one day. One day I will be standing before the Lord of the universe. And I want to do what pleases him. Verse 17. For if I do this on my own will. Verse 17, he continues the example by using this example of a free person and a slave. Free person and a slave. You can do something voluntarily. That refers to the free person. Or you can do something as a slave involuntarily. There is a difference. Okay? But we need to understand it's not that he doesn't want to. It's, it's like he's, it's not that he's not cheerfully doing it. He doesn't get joy from it. He is just giving this example. Okay? He just is giving a contrast from what can be an option and what is obligatory. What he is obliged to do and what he has an option to do. And in verse 17 he says, for if, if I do this of my own will, what he's saying is that if I have chosen to do this, it's my own will. I've considered it. I've made the decision to do it. and There's going to be some kind of reward. Why? Because I chose to do it. It's my motivation. I'm doing it for a reason. If I do it that way, you know, he says, I have a reward. And he's saying, Paul's saying, it's not like that. It's not like that. And then he says, but if not my own will, if not my own, if it's not of me, if it's not of me, it is a stewardship that has been entrusted to me. I am still entrusted with this stewardship. Hmm. Paul says, it's not of me. I have been given a stewardship. And it's interesting when you study the book of Acts and you go through the book of Acts, every time that Paul is giving his defense, whether it's before the, the Sanhedrin, before the Jews, before uh, King Agrippa, every time he gives his defense, Paul, why are you like that? He goes, it's not me. He says, one day I was on the road to Damascus. Da, 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 da. So if you want to blame anybody from who I am, you need to blame God. He's the one to blame. He's the one who made me. He has entrusted to me as stewardship. So here he's saying, you know, if, if, if uh, uh, I do it on my own will... You know, I've, I've made the decision. But he says, but no. He says, as a slave, it's an obligation because I am entrusted with a stewardship. Where did he get that? Well, in those days, they had slaves that, that, that carried out the stewardship of the household. Um, slaves, uh, house slaves, I guess we could call them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1, 
makes reference to this. Is that he says this in verse 1 of the chapter 4. says this is how one should regard us as servants. Servants who paretes, the lowest servants there could be of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it's required that a steward be found faithful. Faithful. So Paul's saying it's a question of stewardship. It's not of my own will. I've been called to this. I'm as a slave, a bond slave. I've been entrusted this glorious message. It's a question of stewardship. A trust that was given me, Paul says, by the Lord. And his point is that, that his work in the gospel is not voluntary. So the question of rights is not even an issue. He's been given a commission. He's been given a trust. He's been given a stewardship. Like a household slave that manages the household. In the Christian uh, standard Bible, it says manager. A manager. Okay? And, and a slave is not paid for something that is, he's obligated to do. Paul is saying that fulfilling his stewardship that was entrusted to, to him is simply doing what's expected of him. I am, it's not of me. It's not, I'm just doing what is expected of me because I have received this stewardship. It is my duty. In, uh, in Luke chapter uh, 17, talks about slaves in this way. In Luke chapter 17, verse 8, it says, I'll, uh, I'll start at verse 7. It says, Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come from the field, Come in at once and recline at the table? That's a question. Will he rather not say, Prepare supper for me and dress properly, basically saying, Gird yourself and serve me while I eat and drink, and afterwards you will eat and drink? That's does he thank the servant because he did what was commanded? So you also, when you have done all that you are commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We, only, we uh, have only done what is our duty. That kind of wakes us up to say, what is my motivation of preaching the gospel? What is my motivation when I'm sharing the word of God with somebody. Is it to say, hey, I shared with four people this week. We're just doing what is our duty. We're just doing what is our duty. When you do something that you are commanded to do by the Lord, you should obey the Lord. Why? Because we love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. And Paul's saying he was called to this. He has been entrusted with the gospel. 
And to share it is a necessity laid on him. This is the motivation of the Apostle Paul's life. This is his passion. To present the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to who? To a dying world. And this was his passion from the day he was saved. And this is his passion till the day he died. His boasting and our boasting should be in the cross of Christ. The power of the cross. So Paul's saying it's not of him. And that's true, it's not of us. We need to understand that. It's not of us. We're weak. We are weak. We have nothing. Brothers and sisters, we have nothing except Christ. In Matthew chapter 28 is our commission. Chapter 20, Matthew 28 is our commission, but it's sandwiched between two great truths. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Jesus came out and said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Then in verse 20, it says, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Then he says, in between, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a very theological, theological command. A theological commission. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like I said, we're weak. We are weak. But where do weak men draw their strength? It's in the life from Christ. We have one hope. One hope, our only hope, is in the power that he has given us. My only hope is the power that Christ has given me. The authority that the Bible gives us. Because we have no other authority. Any elder, any pastor, bishop, or whatever you want to call them, they only have certain authority. All authority has been given to Christ. Our authority is only what the Word of God gives us, biblical authority. But like I said, we're weak. We're weak. He says all power has been given to him, and I will be with you to the end. So church, we are stewards of the most high God.
And listen to me, this is very, 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 very important. As stewards, you manage, you administrate, you steward as what God has given to you in his word. As stewards, we cannot take the prerogative to invent or to come up with, scheme up new ways to do it. We do not change what God has ordered. The gospel has its roots where? The gospel has its roots in the authority of Scripture. The authority of Scripture. Jesus died for our sins, what? According to the scriptures. Jesus died and rose again after the third day, what? According to the scriptures. Grounded in scripture is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are stewards of the mystery of God, which are the scriptures. So what are we to do? We are to study the word, we're to live the word, we're to preach the word, and we're to conform our ministries to what? To the word of God. New ideas are fine. Innovative ways to do things are fine for the world. Why? Because the world is what? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Sinful pride of life. What we do is we humble ourselves. We understand we are weak. And we can do nothing apart from the power of Christ. And what Christ has given us. What the Lord has given us in his word. And we are to preach the gospel. That Jesus Christ died. How? According to the scriptures. And all that has to do with that. For our sins. He was buried. He was good and dead. And he rose again in three days. According to the scriptures. Everything that the scripture says about that. That's how we preach the gospel. It's that, that easy. You preach and let God do the work. Why? Because we are weak men. We can do nothing in ourselves. If it was a me, you know, I would have a reward, but it's not. Necessity isn't laid on me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Do you feel that way? We should. You should think, I preach Christ crucified. That is my commission. That is my strategy. Why? To see dead men come alive. Right now in here, we may be sitting among dead men. And I pray to God that he would use this message, this word, to change them. Church, the gospel's in your hands. You have a stewardship. One day, and one day, you're going to be standing before the God of the universe.
That's a reality. That is a reality. One day, everybody here will be standing in front of the Lord of the universe. We are going to give account. Think about that. We are going to be given account for what well, we, we're not going to be judged to condemnation. We're going to be given an account. Whether our works are gold, silver, precious metals, or wood, hay, and stubble. They will be tested by fire. And a lot of our works are based on our motive. What is your motive? That's incredible. But one day we will be standing before him. I have about 100 people in the Spanish ministry that I'm going to give an account for. Each one of them. Bible says to an elder, to a preacher, double honor. But it also says greater condemnation. Paul finishes here in verse 18. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge so that not to make full use of my rights in the gospel. My right to preach. And to what? And to share with them in the blessings. Brothers and sisters, you want to store up treasures in heaven? You know who's in heaven? Believers. You want to store up treasures in heaven? You invest your time, treasure, and challenge, time, uh, treasure, and talents in making sure the gospel is preached. That is how you are storing up treasures in heaven. What a blessing we get to participate in this gospel. But remember, in the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? We're weak. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the power of the cross and, and the gospel that you have, Lord, commissioned us to preach. We thank you that is not of us. We thank you, Lord, that we have been compelled to preach, that it is a necessity laid on us by you. We thank you that we do not boast when we preach the gospel, but that our boasting is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, as your church goes out today, that they will take full advantage, Lord, of, of this stewardship that you have given them and no longer evaluate people according to the flesh but that we can evaluate people by doing the work of an evangelist and preaching your gospel, the life-changing message of the cross, and that we can see dead men come alive. What a glorious, glorious miracle that you have performed in my life and that you have performed in many, many folks here today. 
And Lord, we give you all of the glory. We pray that you receive our worship today because you are worthy to be praised and worshiped. We thank you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.